All right. So today we have the privilege of having Josh Hagen and Colton Pausch sharing. I don't exactly know how they're going to be doing this. Are you guys going to be doing like two minutes on, two minutes off? Josh is saying that Colton's leading out. All right. So, Colton, you'd be all right using the red mic, or do you want to use one in the hand? All right. So pray for them. It's well organized. Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, I like George said, my name is Colton. As of better, I might end up taking this off eventually. So the green one you can grab too. That's already free. I didn't. Yeah. Um, like I said, my name is Colton, and as of 11 hours ago, I'm the outreach pastor at River Rock Church in Bell Plain, Minnesota. Um, you may be wondering what that is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You may be wondering what that is, and you can come back and ask me in a month when I figure that out. <laughs> this, it's a new, newer position that this church is doing, and I feel super thankful that I can be in that role today. So, we have officially entered into 2023. We survived 2022, which is good. And with the new year, there's obviously a new hope that there's going to be better than last year. And we may have made plans, um, expectations, or resolutions, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I'm not. I just make plans. <laughs> but we are all looking forward to the new year. We come new years, comes new experiences, new interactions with people, and just new everything. It's all is gone and new is here. But when we're interacting with someone, in 2023, I can probably go out and expect that you're going to be interacting with someone who says they're a Christian or they want to proclaim something over you, a God's message or something like that. But what if what they're saying isn't actually gospel? How would you know? So today, my part of the sermon is going to come from Matthew 7. 19 through 20, 19 through 20, 15 through 20. And it's a, a warning slash instruction. How can we tell if someone, if what they're saying, if someone is bearing good fruit or, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. So before we start, let's uh, pray and then we'll jump in here. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a new year uh, coming out and into today. Uh, I pray that you speak through myself and Josh that the message we have for everyone uh, will be clear and that your glory will be done. In your name, amen. So we're going to start in verse 15 and we'll go through 20. So verse 15 of Matthew 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by the fruits and grapes 
but you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So right away in verse 15, beware of false prophets. Obviously back in that day, in Jesus' time, there was a lot of false prophets out there who were trying to be, basically be Jesus and say they're, they're, the, they're the Messiah, they know what's going on. But I, also, I want to kind of take that and kind of put it in, give them like a modern example almost. So something that I like to do since I've started at this church in River Rock, um, I've been super fascinated with different commentaries of, that were written by founding fathers of the church. And I found this quote by John Chrysostom, Chrysostom um, who was a founding father about 400. And this is, this is his idea of this passage, of what he thinks false prophets means. And this is his idea. This isn't like a solid, this is what it is. This is something that he thought would make sense for his time. He says, it does not seem to me that false prophets here refers to heretics, but rather to persons who live morally corrupt lives while wearing masks of virtue. Like, so that's simply something that Chrysostom believed um, in his studies. But we should still be aware of people who come to us speaking heresies or people who are hiding wickedness behind masks of self-virtue. And we see, we see in John, in 1 John 4, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out in the world. Coming out of that, we need to be able to prove that the spirit of God is in the person who is talking to you. And we can use, and when we can use to prove this, that spirit are some tests that we see, again, in 1 first, first John. So if you look at 1 John 4, verses 2, and through the first half of 3, it says, By this, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not. If the Spirit is not proclaiming truth, or bearing good fruit, like we're going to see later, they are the false prophets and the heretics that Jesus talks about. Now, I want to kind of jump back to the idea that the false prophets aren't just heretics or um, the false prophets of, of Jesus' time. But what about the false prophets actually meant people who hide themselves, what their true selves behind this, these masks? Because one place that you see that a lot, at least in when, where I'm from and from my background working with in Crown, you see that a lot in churches. Um, We see pastors, some pastors who, they, want, they preach false. Whatever, what they say is not actually scripture, but they want to get their point across and their agenda. And it looks really convincing. We even see in verse 15 of Matthew 7, um, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
Someone's coming to you and they seem innocent and they seem to know what they're talking about, but in reality, they just want their truth um, out in the, in the crowd. Behind, behind them, they, in front, they have this mask, like, yes, I know what I'm talking about, I know what's best for you, and I'm preaching out the word, and that's it. But behind that mask, it's, no, I want to read, take the passage, and I want to share my ideas of it, what it should be, not what it really says. But how do we know who's who, though? Sometimes it's not the easiest thing ever. But we can see in verse 16, you will recognize them by the fruits. And it's no matter how they are disguised, the fruit will always show. Fruits being, in this part, part the kind of like the action. So, doing right in the eyes of the Lord. Not in man. That's a completely different thing for a completely different topic. Doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. We move on in verses 16 and 17. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. So a metaphor that, this is a metaphor Jesus used because back then people, fruit trees were a big thing then. Olives, um, I'm trying to think of other things, fruit trees, pomegranates, yep, figs, yep. Uh, so a lot of the people that day that Jesus was talking to knew that metaphor. But today we can break that down as Jesus saying, um, we have the followers, healthy trees, people who are actually following God, proclaiming his, God, his word, and they bear good fruit or doing um, good deeds in the eyes of the Lord. And then there's the non-followers, the wicked, the people who don't do good in the eyes of the Lord. They produce the bad, what God doesn't like, or the bad fruit. So then the rest of the passage goes on, and we're going to go through 18 through 20. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire, thus you will recognize them by the fruits. Jesus continued this passage, this part of the scripture, saying every tree that does not produce good fruit, every person that doesn't do eyes, good in the eyes of God is cut up and thrown. Now, this isn't say someone who produces bad fruit can't produce good fruit. Everyone has a chance to go to be with Jesus. All you have to do is accept him. And same with the other way. People can start bearing bad fruit. But then in verse, in verse 17, Jesus kind of wraps this entire thing up, saying, thus you can recognize them by their fruits. Now, I want to take that same verse, and I want to look at it through another translation, because it gives us another kind of example of how we can look at it today. So this other, the New Living Translation says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by the fruit, you can identify people by their actions. People can, you can see people doing that stuff. You can, like Joel said, you're serving. You can see people serving, and you can see people who are serving for their own, um, well, for their own thing. They want to serve because it makes them feel better. We should serve because God's calling us to serve. So, 
why, as a, as a church, why do we need to know this? Why do we have to be aware of people who bear bad food? Isn't that, someone, isn't that Joe's job to point that out? Not, not completely. I want to share a story um, that my professor shared with me once. So years ago, he was a young pastor in his first church, and he had his guest speaker come to him. Um, and this speaker, when he was preaching, he bent the words of Scripture to make it match his agenda and not what they actually said. And obviously, my professor, who the pastor at the time, caught it right away. As this speaker's speaking, he's preparing in his mind his sermon for next week and how he can clear this up for his church so they aren't being led astray. But before he even got up afterwards, this congregation's already noticed what, he, what this preacher said wrong, and they've already called him out on it. We have to be aware of what people say, do. Are they speaking, well, are they preaching the gospel correctly? Are they trying to fulfill their own desires while preaching? Because a strong church is a church that notices these things and can call it out. A church who can pick out the heresies, the, the wrong that someone's preaching, is a strong church, and it's what God wants to see. He doesn't want people being led astray um, by people who aren't preaching his word the way that it's meant to be. But there is more to it, and from there, Josh is going to wrap it up. Thank you, Colton. I am not going to be a pastor, but I will be leading the youth group at this church come this um, summer after college. But I'm going to take this verse, and I'm going to go a step farther with it. It's really interesting. So the next verses we have here, Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So I've heard this verse preached often as a scary verse. And it is. It's terrifying. You get to heaven. You think you've done everything right. And the terrifying part is you get there and he says, I didn't know you at all. You, never, you were never part of my kingdom. And that is terrifying if you look at it in and of itself. If you just look at this passage, it's like, I might get up to heaven, and he's going to say no. And that's scary. That's very scary. I find it scary. I know a lot of people find it scary. Let's open my notes here so that we can keep on track. <laughs> so... Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. 
A lot of times in the passage, when in, about, in the Bible, when they use words multiple times, it's like honoring somebody or it's, it's usually a big thing. Here they're using the Lord's name several times. And that's not enough. You can't just call him Lord, clearly. As Colton said, you need, you need to have the fruits also coming out of it. You can't just be like, Lord, Lord, and then go about doing whatever you want. There is an action that's required of it. But here in this passage, it's also saying that the action might not be legit in what some people are doing. Because we see here, they did works and mighty deeds, miracles. They cast out demons in his name, but it didn't work. Well, it worked, but it didn't get them to heaven. Um, so... This goes back to what Colton was preaching on, the wolves in sheep's clothing. The wolves disguise themselves so well that they have the works down. They have the miracles down. They, have, they can cast out demons. They have those works down so well. or They're so well disguised in sheep's clothing that they thought they were in. But they're not, because in that day, let's take a look at in that day. Turn uh, Malachi seventeen eighteen, uh, or sorry, Malachi three seventeen eighteen. Get the passage right. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasures, treasured possessions, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. We're looking at God is separating the sheep in the last day from the goats. He's separating his herd. And he knows who is who, and that's... Honestly, I find that reassuring because we know that the goats aren't going to get into heaven. God knows who is legit and who's not. And let's look at Habakkuk for that. Yes, Mom. I got Habakkuk in there. (laughs) She challenged me last night. She said she was going to ask me what this related to Habakkuk, so I decided to throw Habakkuk in there. Um, We're going to start at verse 2. Oh, Lord. How long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear, or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see inequity? Why do you idly look at wrong, distract violence? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and content arise. This whole passage is about what Habakkuk sees in the world. He sees the goats, he sees the wolves in sheep's clothing. He sees them everywhere, and he, he's asking God, why isn't he doing something about it? Why is he just sitting there? Matt, I'm not saying Matthew was a direct response to that. I don't think it was, but I see it as a reassurance to that verse. Because I don't know about you guys, but I hear people talking about what's going wrong in the world all the time. 
this politician's not doing this. They should be doing better. Why isn't this going right? I hear that all the time. Why isn't the world a better place? What's going wrong? Why isn't God doing something about it? He will do something about it. He has the answer right here. He's going to, even those who do miracles may not make it if they do not believe in their hearts. And that is so important. You have to believe in your heart. And that's where John 3, 3 and 5, I'm going to go to there because I think this is another important part of it. To know how we are going to, whether or not we are going to make it there. 3, 3 and 5 through 5. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. You have to believe in your heart. It's not enough to just do the actions. It's not enough to just say, Lord. You have to believe it truly in your heart in order for you to be safe. If you don't believe truly in your heart and be reborn again, you're not going to make it. That's the whole point of, the, of spirit so you have to be born again, and you have to be baptized. That's a big one. I'm not getting into baptism, because I'm not going to start that whole idea. No, Mom, I'm not getting into that. Because um, <laughs> that's a whole other rabbit trail. <laughs> and I don't have the arguments for that set up. So I got the Lord, Lord, is very, and the other commonly names repeated over something that's very important from Greg A. Evans and his commentary on this verse, which I had a hard time finding commentary on this verse. Because people, for some reason, it's a, it is a scary verse, and people don't know what to make of the acts and deeds, but not, like, how can you cast out demons but not know the Lord? This one said it's referring to false prophets. I would agree. He was explaining how the false prophet, these are sheep's and wolves' clothes, basically, is how, what he was explaining, which is completely true. Because once again, I can't stress enough, they're casting out demons. I don't know if any of you guys have cast out demons. I have not. <laughs> so it's amazes me that that can happen. So that's why it's so scary for most people. But they have the acts, but not the spirit. So you can act on something, but just because you're acting doesn't mean you believe on what you're acting on. Um, and that was just... The entire concept of that scares a lot of people, and I understand why. I would agree. It's a very scary thought. As I was lo looking over this this morning, 
I got a song came on. I was listening to music. It's called God Taught Me by uh, Zinti. I can't read that name. Um, But, and it says, if you ask me how I do it, it's because God taught me. God will show you how if you let him. And he will lead you, but you have to believe in your heart truly and act. It requires both of them, not just the action and not just the and not just saying Lord, Lord. You have to act and believe in your heart. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that uh, Colton came up to start me, and I pray that somebody heard something today and maybe even was moved by it. I thank you for this time. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Colton. Amen. So then what do we do? What do we do? We ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. As how do we know the wolves in sheep's clothing? We look at their fruits. How do we know if we're wolves in sheep's clothing? We ask God to show us our fruit. What's God doing? How's God moving? We ask Him, and He does reveal this, because this is too big for us. Because Josh is right, that, that passage is scary. It's terrifying. If we're relying on ourselves, it's terrifying. But when we look to God, we see And so we ask, Lord guide, Lord teach, Lord show. And Colton's looking at his watch. (laughs) Joe, you're done. We already talked. We don't need you. All right. So today, um, communion Sunday. Here at Hosanna, we practice open communion. But I was listening to a very fascinating discussion on communion and the really the dangers of communion. Because when you come to the altar of the Lord, Paul tells us, <laughs> verse tw- uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So how do we draw that line? Well, we ask. That's why we come to the Lord and um, in silent prayer and meditation, Lord, is there any sin in my life? Search me, O God, and 
try my heart. And if we have no sin, if, we're, if there's nothing that God brings to us, then we're free. Then we come. Because we ask and we receive. That's what we're told. And so if we ask that and God shows us nothing, He says, come. If God shows us something and we say, Lord, forgive me, then He says, come. If God shows us something, we say, no, Lord, not that. Then don't come. Because then you are coming in an unworthy manner. And you know, the thing is, I can't see your heart. I do not believe that this is able to be judged by church membership. I do not believe that this is able to be judged by external acts, just like Colton talked about, the wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, These are... I, I do like that quote from Chrysostom that these are people doing righteous acts, but they're hiding behind, or they're doing um, wicked acts. I have it written down. So then when I write things down, I don't remember them as well. I know it's really strange. Um, but they are they're committing wickedness, but they're hiding behind a mask of virtue. And so I can't look at your guys' lives and know are you virtuous or not virtuous? And even what I know and what I don't know are those ways by which I can judge you. No, we call you to ask the Lord to, to examine yourself. Okay, Lord, is there sin in my life? Because Paul says here that that's why some of you are sick and ill and some have died. And so this isn't something to be taken lightly. This isn't merely symbolic. This isn't just material stuff. There's a spiritual reality going on here and God takes this seriously. Did we not say, Lord, Lord, as Josh talked about? Lord, I'm doing this for you. Yeah, but do you know me? Are you walking with me? Are you trusting me? That's the question we ask. Lord, am I? Don't ask yourself, though. Ask the Lord. We examine ourselves, but as we as Christians examine ourselves, we don't do it like the world. The world asks themselves. The Christian stands before the Lord and says, Lord, examine me. That's how we examine ourselves. Lord, examine me. And so with that, 